Sad Dave's podcast. Dave's podcast, episode three. Millamise and Brooker, Saturday Night Fever, Morkin and Wise, Accusations, Wallpaper and Turkeys. So, ah, I've realised doing this that I do start a lot of sentences with so, which uh, in this premise would be quite good if I ever worked on a farm. Um, Oh, hang on. Did uh, nuclear scientist wine cellar... No, no, the nearest I got to working on a farm was I was in partnership with a farm once when we ran an organic butcher's. I did spend an awful lot of time on the farm, but that's the nearest I got to it. Well, oh, I've started with well now, oh God. Uh, well, the nearest I got to wells, I was a data inputter for Thames Water, putting in uh, previous uh, flood levels going back many years. So, the greengrocers, I got fed up with the situation there, and I started to look around. I can't remember how I found my next job. I can't remember whether someone mentioned it uh, within the people around Maidenhead, um, whether... Uh, I saw an advert for it, uh, but I think, I'm pretty sure, I may well have seen an advert in the Maiden Advertiser, which was our local paper. Um, I went there and uh, saw the manager in his office and uh, went for a few details, and then a few days later, I was offered the job. Miller Morris and Brooker was a large shop uh, about half a mile from the greengrocers, slightly off the high street. They had Miller Morrison Brooker, which was a large uh, hardware and wallpaper shop, uh, and also mixed paint. Uh, they had um, a wholesale place in Maidenhead, as well as one on the Slough Road. I don't know what attracted me to Miller Morrison Brooker, but I think it might have a lot to do with Saturday Night Fever. Uh, at the time, the beginning of Saturday Night Fever, when you see John Travolta walking around with a paint pot while he's admiring the girls and and uh, choosing a new shirt, and Miller Morrison Brooker had one of these mixing up paint things, so I think I had this vision of myself in my trench coat and my cowboy boots, strolling around Maidenhead, looking at girls and delivering paint. It didn't really work out like that. As long as it don't turn into a 20-year mortgage. All right, sir. Give me them $5 for that blue shirt. Hold the phone. Hey, wait for your receipt. I trust you. Please don't, don't trust me. Millamorris and Brooker was a large shop. I think it was two shops originally. There seemed to be two together. Uh, you came in the door, there was a, a long area where it had buckets and household goods on the right-hand side, on the left-hand side, lots of Stanley tools and um, hardware items, uh, screws and uh, nails and that sort of thing. In the middle of the shop, it then had a key-cutting machine, 
which I don't think I was ever allowed to use. Uh, the manager, I used to have to go and get the manager if anyone needed a key cane. And then the other room next to it, which was a shop the same sort of size, had the paint uh, mixing bit, which was um, a selection of white uh, paint pots and a mixing machine where you squirted in certain amounts of colour. So you'd put different blues in and that to make different uh, colours. And then you put it on this machine and it shook it up. This machine was covered in a multitude of rainbow coloured paint. Uh, but I never remember, I always remember putting the lid on, I never remember having any accidents where the paint had come off, but obviously previously people had done that many times before. The rest of the shop was wallpaper, so either side was large bins full of wallpaper with a huge table in the middle with great big wallpaper books. Wallpaper books were like a metre square books which had a samples of various wallpaper. At the time, flock wallpaper, which was like a felt, very expensive wallpaper, was all the rage in the early 80s. In the, in the middle of the two uh, rooms uh, was a little alleyway and there was the manager's office. At the back of the first room was a small canteen area and then you went out the back and there was more storage areas uh, plus another sort of square office. And then there must have been steps down to a basement. In the basement, we kept uh, more wallpaper, and uh, which we needed to stock up if we'd sold wallpaper. So there was boxes and boxes of wallpaper under there. The staff at Miller Morris and Brooker consisted of the manager, who was a man in his mid-50s, grey hair, quite small, who had been working there for all of his life and worked his way up to manager. He was a quiet man. The most exciting thing he did was on a Saturday after we'd finished work, he'd go to the shop next door, buy a bottle of Tizer, which he would then bring back on Monday and get his 5p deposit on it. There was a lady also working there who, who was in her late 60s, had been there for years. And there was also a girl who was about three or four years older than me. She was quite exotic. We got on really well and had a good laugh. Her boyfriend was someone quite notorious within Maidenhead uh, from a, uh, a renowned family apparently, but I didn't really know them coming from little old Cookham. But she was also having an affair, so a different man would turn up and take her out for lunch. This was all very exciting, and you have to remember that this was uh, pre-EastEnders, so it was all quite shocking to me. So my duties uh, include obviously serving the public. So I learned a lot more about different types of hardware, uh, screw sizes, uh, paint and wallpaper. The Miller Morris and Brooker, the Morris book was William Morris, who was a wallpaper designer. Uh, after I'd been there for a good few months, we went on a day out to the William Morris factory uh, where they printed wallpaper. Uh, as I say, I, I went with this girl. Um, we had a bit of a laugh, and it probably was quite a nice day. I can't really remember an, an awful lot about it, but, uh, uh, but uh, no doubt it would probably have been a lot more interesting uh, with me now. After I'd been there a few months, a lady came in the wallpaper department one day. She was quite a large lady and had a huge brown fur coat on. Lots of brown things had died to make this coat. Uh, 
You have to remember it was different times. Behind her was a much smaller man, and when I looked, I realised it was Ernie Wise. Morgan and Wise were absolutely huge at this time, but I'm regularly getting 20 million people watching their shows. Near Maidenhead is Bray, an area where a lot of Parkinson and a lot of celebrities made their home. So they had a look round and they started looking at some of the uh, wallpaper books and there was some really expensive flock wallpaper books. Now you could then hire these books, take them away and uh, take them in your home and put them in your lounge and try and hold them up and, and see how the wallpaper would look. But So uh, they went to hire uh, one of these wallpaper books. So I had to ask a uh, name, Ernest Wiseman, Bray, and put a telephone number in. And he said, is this uh, a sample in stock? I said, yes, it, yes, it's in stock. And I said, uh, you'd like this one, Ernie, because you can't see the join. Now, this was quite a funny joke because Eric Morecambe always used to go to Ernie and lift up his front of his hair and say it was a wig and say, this is a good one, you can't see the join. But to other people, this means nothing at all to them. But he thought it was quite funny and then hired me as one of his writers for many years. Parts of this story may not be true. Well, time went by and it came up to Christmas. I wondered, oh, what am I getting for Christmas now? A tin of paint, a couple of rolls of wallpaper. But a couple of weeks before Christmas, it turned out that we would get a turkey. Again, uh, I wasn't that impressed, but my mum was really excited. She thought it would be a spare turkey. I explained that it probably wouldn't be that big. So when the turkeys arrived, they were allocated to the staff. And as I was the junior, junior floor sweeper, junior staff member, I got the smallest turkey. The manager had the first choice, then this other lady, uh, and then my friend, and then it was me. Mine was like a pigeon. At this time, I had a whole half day off on a Wednesday, which was a bit of a pain, because by the time I'd caught the bus, got into town, and then it was one o'clock, uh, obviously, none of my mates were around at that time. So I used to stay in town. I'd quite often go to the cinema. I remember watching The Deer Hunter. But I'd be sat in the cinema with about three or four other people who were trying to keep warm or keeping out of the rain. It was a bit sad, really. A few months later, one of the most disturbing and worrying incidents happened. It was a Friday. Two men came into the shop. One I recognised as the area sales manager. He had done some sales training with us and was also the one that took us to the William Morris factory for wallpaper. The other man I'd never seen before. They came in and went to see the manager. 
The manager then came out to me and said they would like to interview me in the back room. I had no idea what was going on. I went into the back room. They sat me the other side of the table and uh, they started uh, interviewing me. Well, it turned out that the day before, which was the manager's day off, they had spoken to a member of the public, giving him some money to buy a padlock. He'd come in the shop. I had served him with the padlock. And as happened quite often, the old lady would then ring up on the till and do the actual finishing of the sale. Well, he said that someone had opened the till, they hadn't rang up the correct amount and uh, not given him a receipt and had uh, not uh, taken the money. Well, I didn't know what was going on. I had no recollection of, of this customer and no recollection, obviously, of not doing, and I hadn't done anything wrong. They kept me in this room for about an hour, saying it, things like, it would be better if I just told them the truth, were we working together with the old lady? Uh, and it, it was all quite uh, disturbing and upsetting. I think he thought he was uh, in the Sweeney or the Bill, which are two old police shows at that time. After work, uh, I went to my dad. At the time, my dad had started working in Maidenhead and occasionally it worked out the timings right that I would go to his office and uh, he would give me a lift home. So I got to his office and he uh, asked me how my day was and he could tell something was wrong. But I waited till we were outside the office and then I told him. Uh, I said, well, I've been accused of, of stealing and this man's interviewed me, you know. My dad was furious. He said that at my age I shouldn't have been uh, uh, put in a room with two people like that and interrogated and it was all wrong. When we got home, he contacted his solicitor and his solicitor sent them a letter asking, you know, saying that this was all wrong and everything. Anyway, things things blew over. No one actually said to me, we believe you. The other lady, remember the 60-odd-year-old lady, uh, disappeared. I never saw her again. So I still don't really know what happened, but I suspect that during the, her, uh, the manager's day off, for many years, this old lady had been skimming some money out of the till um, uh, each day, but I don't really know what had happened. But no one actually came to me and said, you know, we believe you, Dave, and uh, we don't think you did it. Not until I actually left here a few months later when they actually tried to offer me more money to stay and said, well, we, we never believed that you'd taken the money. But by then it was far too late. This was a Just the Ticket production.